The sermon is based on the gospel from St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the gospel of the Lord. All right, so it has begun. It says here, the hour came. He reclined at table and the apostles with him. The hour has begun. The hour that Jesus has been talking about this whole time with his apostles, all the people that would listen in the crowds. Say, my hour has not yet come, all those times, but now his hour has come. The passion is beginning. The event that will culminate in his suffering and his death has begun. Even though that's the case, how does he choose to spend his last night? His last night also happens to be the Passover meal because... It was the day of unleavened bread, so the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed because Jesus was the Passover lamb. He's the last one. We don't have to do it anymore. In fact, you shouldn't do it anymore. Stop doing Passover. Jesus gave us something new, something different, and something beautiful. The Last Supper. Jesus gives them specific instructions. You know, there's going to be a dude in a house. Ask him this question. And it, it's all going to look the way that I said it was. And then it did. Very interesting that way. It's what happens in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says something's going to happen, and then it happens. And now Jesus is ours here. He's begun his meal. He says... I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It's, it's like, you know, like the Make-A-Wish program, but it's, <laughs> this is Jesus' last wish. Later we'll hear that it's his last will and testament, a.k.a. a new testament, a new testament, a new covenant in his blood. In fact, Jesus, right after this, he'll sing hymns and songs with his friends before they head off to the garden. He prays and he's delivered over into the hands of, you know, violent men. And Jesus will look to the cross, full of joy, the writer of Hebrews says, scorning its shame. For joy, Jesus went to the cross and suffered For us, for you. But Luke here, in this small pericope, this small group of sentences from the Bible, 
He gives us uh, little tiny sentences that will change everything forever. He says, this is my body. He picks up bread and he says, this is my body. He picks up wine and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Changes everything. It's weird. It's different. It's communion. Jesus gives his closest friends his body and his blood to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of sins. And he says in John 6 that when you eat my flesh and drink my blood, actually you have life in you. It's wonderful. It's something wonderful that Ryan got to experience for the first time last Sunday. But he doesn't only give his body and his blood, the bread and the wine in the supper. He's going to give himself on the cross. But before we get to that, Jesus adds two little phrases that usually, if you're reading this, you just kind of whiz by. Because it seems like uh, uh, repetitive or something. But it's wonderful. He, He promises to dine again with his friends. He says, For I tell you, I won't eat this until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He says, For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So he's linking it with a future event. When the kingdom of God breaks into this world. And that's what's so wonderful. Every time we take communion, we eat his, his body, we drink his blood, the kingdom of God unfolds into this world a little bit more. Because the kingdom of God broke into this world when he died on the cross. When he said, it is finished. The kingdom of this world, ruled by Satan, was fatally wounded. And the kingdom of God, ushered in by Jesus Christ, came. He promises to dine again with his friends. To dine on now this, his very body, when the kingdom comes, when he dies, when he rises again, when he ascends into heaven. The Last Supper is Christ on the cross in the near future. Jesus didn't die yet. Yet the effects and benefits of that cross cross space and time to that Last Supper, where confused disciples ate and drank in faith in their Savior's words. This is my body, this is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And yes, the cross is Jesus offering himself for the sins of the whole world. And what's so interesting, so cool about this Last Supper, talking about what is to come in just a few days or the next day, it's also what will happen on the last day here now. 
It's what's been written on the whiteboard in the teaching hall since I came here. Now but not yet. Communion, this great high feast, the Last Supper, is pointing to is the marriage feast of the Lamb on the last day between Christ and his church. Sure, it has not happened yet in our timeline, but every time we eat and drink here, we're joined with that final victory where all the church triumphant feasts with us, angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. All of those events, the Last Supper, the Crucifixion, the Ascension, the last or the marriage feast of the Lamb, and every time any Christian celebrates the Lord's Supper, all of it, outside of time yet here locally, in this church right now, it's all happening every time we take communion. It's mysterious, it's weird, it's exciting, and it's beautiful. It's my favorite thing. (laughs) As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He promises his body and his blood, himself on the cross, And he gives to us the benefits of that sacrifice, the forgiveness of sins, life, salvation. Each time this meal is celebrated and Jesus is the host through yours truly. It's all linked together. It's inseparable. But you got to ask, what was running through those apostles' heads? Now remember, Jesus has you know, fed 5,000 plus women and children. He's fed 4,000, you know, all these kinds of things. And sometimes when he does those things, he says, you know, what I quoted earlier, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And that's weird, right? Because we eat dead things. We kill an animal and eat it after we cook it. We kill vegetables, or what are they called? Plants. Plants, Jeremy. We kill plants, and then we cook them, and we eat them. But Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. We feast on the living body and the living blood of Jesus Christ. The life is in the blood, you see. And so besides that, Jesus' disciples are thinking of Moses, old Moses. In one of the scariest chapters of Exodus, Moses slaughters a lamb, sacrifices it to God, and then flicks the blood on all the members of the congregation. And that's the old covenant. Covering the people covering their sins with this atoning blood. And they received, yes, those covenant promises and the benefits of that covenant, long life in the land, faith in the promise, all those good things. And afterwards, they divvied up the lamb. The priests ate it first, and then the people ate the lamb too. They really, literally ate the lamb. They didn't pretend to eat the lamb. But all that covenant was only temporary. 
Because if you're covered in lamb's blood and then you take a bath, where does the lamb's blood go? It's gone. And then there goes the benefit of your covenant that you've received. And so Jesus gives you a new covenant on this Holy Thursday. It's called Maundy Thursday because of this Latin word, mandatum. And Jesus gives this, he says, I give you a new mandatum, a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, right? And how does Jesus love us? He dies on the cross for us. And how does he give us the benefits of that death on the cross other than giving us his body and his blood? But this is not a temporary covenant. This is the new final covenant. And it's a lot cleaner, right? It's a New Testament in his blood. It's his last will. And what is his last will, his final dying wish, other than to lay down his life for his friends, to forgive them of their sins? Forgive you. Forgive me. It's lovely. And this is the new covenant that Jeremiah talked about in the Old Testament reading. It's just so shocking, so profound. All these big things that Jeremiah is trying to hit on. God will be present with us truly in the bread and the wine. God will seek us out and be one with us in communion. Union with God, the goal of every man and woman. You see, God couldn't stop seeking us out after we banished ourselves from his holy garden because of our sin. First, he talked to Abraham from the stars. And then he wrestled with Jacob all the way down to being in a burning bush talking to Moses. He just wanted to be with and talk to his beloved people, be with them. But he couldn't truly be with them until he became incarnate, born of the Virgin Mary, where he would then suffer under Pontius Pilate and be crucified for us. But all the live long day and all the way along, he ate with sinners like us and continues to. For you say, he, you see, he promises to keep being with us in the midst of us where two or three are gathered and to truly, literally be with us, to meet us here as often as we eat it, as often as we drink it in remembrance of him, with him as the host. Where he washes us in the blood of the lamb and he doesn't just flick it on us. And that washing doesn't go away And your sins, this is the best part. Your sins aren't just covered anymore. Like in the Old Testament when they just covered you. And it's like, okay, God can't see me. I'm covered in blood. It's not the way it is anymore. It's way more beautiful than that. Your sins are no longer remembered. You're forgiven. They're gone. It's amazing. And now we have new unity. We're one with God in baptism. We're one with God in faith. We've become one with God in communion. We're one with God whenever we're forgiven 
Blessed is the man or woman whose iniquities are forgiven. We're one with one another at this table. One bread, one cup, one baptism, one Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.